Go on, do you want to come up? Let's just uh, welcome her up here. And, um, and Val was helping with uh, the Alpha course earlier in the year, and uh, Debbie, who was on the video, and Sharon in particular, you then took on into a discipleship track to kind of follow them up and to grow them. I just wanted to ask you a couple of questions, and the first one is really, what has that journey been like for you? Uh, it's been a real privilege. Um, it's impacted on two levels for um, to do the Alpha course again. Um, it's that verse in 1 Peter that says always be ready to give a reason for the hope that you hold inside and for me the Alpha course takes us back to the basics and gives us um, some answers but we also get to hear the questions that people are asking the questions that Debbie and Sharon asked is where they're approaching the gospel from and being privileged to hear how you answer them and how you engage with them just was a real learning curve for me. And it really, I just think it's really helped me to be more equipped to, um, to give a, a, a good answer to somebody who says, well, what's it all about then? So. Yeah, okay, fantastic. And what, what would you say, because you've taken them on beyond that, what would you say their journey has been, or your journey with them beyond it, yeah. but also what how you'd put into words, if you can describe on their behalf, what their journey's been like? Um, I think they would say it's been challenging. Um, there's been the disciple course. For those of you who don't know, is a series. Watch a, um, a series of videos, and then there's a discussion time afterwards. When you get a leader's guide, and each of them gets a book as well, and you can take notes. But it's really challenging. It gets you to look at um, where you are, where you are with your emotions, where you are with your past. Um, and it's the Freedom in Christ course for a new generation. So then we go to the steps to freedom in Christ. And that was just a massive privilege to walk with them through it. It's been challenging. It's not been easy. Um, there's been some difficult questions. There's been some really emotional evenings. And it's taken us a couple of weeks to go through some of the videos just because they've been um, so deeply affecting. When, you, when you're facing truth, when all you've known is lies, then it can take a bit of... Um, oomph, really, and trust. They, I've just really felt massively privileged that they've trusted me to go on the journey with them, and that you guys trusted yeah. me to take them. So. And they've obviously come back week after week, so it's been so important have, yeah. in them, and a real anchor kind yeah. of in their lives. And there's a real friendship that's grown up as well, yeah. and we, we go out for social evenings now as yeah. well, and kind of just do a life catch-up as well. Yeah. Brilliant. Well, I just I thought it would be helpful to just get a little bit of insight into people that are on that journey, both the joys and the challenges uh, of that. But thank you. Let's just, uh, but this was just a tiny, tiny way of just acknowledging that actually this church in the last few years, there has been some heroic serving on a whole host of levels. In fact, really ever since we went multi-site, there has been that real call on everyone to join the journey and get stuck in. And uh, it's been costly, I know, at times. So we're going to slightly embarrass you, but only mildly, if that's okay, uh, in that we're just going to call out the name of a team, and we'd love it if you could stand up, if that's okay, if you're really modest, then just wave. And I'd love everyone else to just look around at those people and just give them a massive applause. Could we do that? Because actually, you know, when we get to heaven, we will have that real sense of all the seed that has been planted, but until then, it's hard, isn't it, sometimes? So I hope you'll stay with me on the journey, and... Uh, We'll have a big kind of call at the end, which will be like a curtain call for, <laughs> for anyone else serving in another way. So could we start with welcome stewards, car park and refreshment teams? Come on up, you get, I can see, right, brilliant. Look at who they are, faithful, faithful people. I've seen these guys going out in the rain with a big smile and umbrella. Amazing. 
Thank you, guys. Amazing. Brilliant. Uh, set up and de-rig teams and the Sunday coordinators, which has been a new role. Come on up. Fantastic. And not an easy one. Amazing. Really, really tough stuff at times as well, I know. Um, PA and visuals. Come on, I know they hate this. They hate doing it. Some of them are standing already. <laughs> Anyone serving at all in children's church? Come on up. Thank you on behalf of all of our children. Youth teams, serving on youth teams, either youth zone, across the sides. <laughs> Andy, it can't just be you. Ah, good. <laughs> oh, look, they're so shy. It's the shyest team of all. I wouldn't have thought that was the case. Thank you, guys. Our prayer teams, people who meet and pray with people, either publicly on a Sunday or quietly. They probably won't stand up, but come on, let's give them a go. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Faithful. Just look around. Make sure you really look and see who these people are. Amazing. Worship bands, those who lead us across the sites in our worship gathering. Brilliant. Amazing stuff. Life group leaders, those discipling, either in discipleship groups, triplets and life groups. Can't just be Sue Weaver. I know she holds the church together. Thank you. <laughs> Community group teams and leaders and hosts and the whole shebang. Come on up. Lovely. Really, really brilliant. Thank you. Faithfully, some for many, many years, I know. Alpha and discipleship teams over the last year. <laughs> Come on, Andy. <laughs> There's more, I know, I know. Okay, teams, this is stay and play, football, RPA, RMA, that's the money advice, women's teams, men's teams, Elijah, sanctuary teams, meditation groups, please stand up. There's a lot of them. doing amazing work, a lot of that missionally and uh, amazing. Some of that we heard on the video of the difference that it makes. Now, here's the surprise one. Uh, everyone always says, but who are they? The trustees of Riverside. Now is your time to show who you are. Come on. Yes, let's thank them. <laughs> These guys have really, really taken us through quite a tough couple of years and been absolutely brilliant. So thank you uh, so much for that. And anyone else serving in any capacity across the church that I have missed out, please would you stand up? That's a brave thing. <laughs> Let's all stand up. Davis Grove. Come on, it's just for Davis Grove. Let's just applaud him for being Davis Grove. Fantastic. Let me just pray and thank God for everyone in all the ways that we've served. And Night Shelter as well, which was uh, really celebrated on the video. Lord, thank you that uh, 
everyone here is a servant who in some way has left their mark on this congregation, on people's lives. Lord, thank you that they have served sometimes, perhaps without enough recognition. But today we say thank you on behalf of the children, the young people, the visitors, those who read the screens, those who lead us in worship, those who actually serve us with the sound, all of these different ways, Lord. Thank you for the seen and the unseen, for those on the platform and those off it, Lord, and for those in our rooms across the site, serving quietly to disciple and to teach. Lord, we see your likeness in each other. We celebrate the fact that you've made us all different, but every person to play their part. Thank you for an extraordinary couple of years where so many have started to serve and so many have faithfully continued to do that. Pray, Lord, that as we go deeper in you this year together, that we would find new joy in serving, that you would build fresh, fresh hopes and dreams in each of us as we follow your leading. And Lord, for those needing to lay down serving, we thank you for all their service. And thank you that actually they now have the confidence to end it so that new people can come through. Lord, let us be those who follow the lead of your spirit. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Good evening, everybody. Uh, when I was growing up, we used to occasionally have family meetings round the uh, kitchen table. Put your hands up if you did something similar. When it was something significant as a family, you gathered round the table, whether that was significant because it was exciting, you were booking a holiday, or whether it was significant because it was challenging, or there was some news to share, whatever it is, we used to have uh, family gatherings. And in a sense, that's, that's what's going on tonight. This is family. We're family uh, from various different gatherings all together in one place. Uh, and uh, those that we also come on behalf of, uh, our households and so on. Uh, and tonight basically is an opportunity for us as ch church, as family, to take stock of where we are and to look ahead. To think for a few moments of what's happening right now, what things, what journeys we've been on, uh, and also to dream of what could be. And so for some time now, I'd love to just share with some, some thoughts, some context of where we are, uh, and then look ahead to where we might be. And there might be some things tonight that are challenges. Uh, there might be some things that are really exciting. There might be some things that we don't quite understand. Uh, there might be some things that will become obvious over the weeks and months, even if we don't yet grasp them. But our hope and prayer for tonight is that as family we're reminded of the huge opportunity and potential that is in this room and within Riverside to impact Birmingham for God's kingdom. Uh, and so as we get into this, I'd love to pray. And I'd love us all to pray. And if you're up for this, I'd love you to pray to hold open your hands. And we're going to pray simply that God would speak to us as family tonight and that he'd once again commission us and send us forward as his people into the calling he has on our lives as individuals and our lives as a church. So should we pray together? And if you're uh, happy to do so, why don't you hold open your hands? Father God, we are your people. 
frail and chosen. Broken and yet restored. And so we simply pray, Holy Spirit, would you come? Once again, sending us out. Speaking to us as your people. That we might make a difference in this city that you so desperately love. So Holy Spirit, teach us, lead us now, we pray. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Over the last uh, 18 months or so, we have sensed God speaking to us as leaders through one book in the Old Testament, through the book of Haggai. It's not a well-known book. It's quite a short one, so I'd encourage you to go home and read it. Uh, But we've sensed that God's got some really crucial reminders for us from this book. And so as we begin, as I share, let's read some verses, and I'll read them to us from Haggai chapter 1. This is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Is it time for you yourselves to be living in your panelled houses while this house remains a ruin? Now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. You've planted much but harvested little. You eat but never have enough. You drink but never have your fill. You put on clothes but are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Go up into the mountains and bring down timber and build my house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honoured, says the Lord. One of the challenges that God gives to his people in this challenging book is that God's people have been focusing on the wrong things. In Haggai's time, they were focused on building their own houses whilst ignoring the rebuilding of God's house, the temple. If you know the story, they've been out of their land for quite a while. They've been in exile, taken from their land into Babylon. And then a group's gone back and started to rebuild, but it's faltered for a while. And now some are tasked with rebuilding God's temple, but instead what they've been doing is building their own houses. And because this has happened, they have planted much, but harvested little. All of their hard work doesn't seem as fruitful as they hoped it would be. Now it's easy for us to look back and see the error of their ways and think that they had some sort of you know, fascination with grand designs. But it's worth remembering that they were doing exactly what they thought they should be doing. God's people in exile were told through the prophet Jeremiah to do what? This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. So God's people in Haggai are doing exactly what they think they should be doing. Exactly what God told them a while ago to be doing. But Haggai's challenge, or God's challenge through Haggai, is not that they're doing something wrong, it's just they're not doing the main thing that they are called to be doing. They've taken their focus off what should be the priority. 
And into this, God gives huge comfort to them. God's at work. He has not forgotten them. In fact, quite the opposite. He has got massive plans for his people. In fact, God promises that the glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house. There are great things in store, even more than you can imagine, even more than you've ever seen. And they don't need to worry about the resources either to do this. Why? Because God says the silver is mine and the gold is mine. So I will be with you and there are great things in store. And don't worry, I've got the resources. They're in my hands. All you need to do is to go God's way. So as long as they focus on building his house and keep the main thing the main thing, then God will be with them. And the future is one of great blessing and real fruit. And therefore for us, as we stand looking at those words, there's a few things that we can remember. Very simply, when we go God's way, we can have confidence that he will always, 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 always provide. He's not short of cash. He's not short of resources. And not only that, when we go God's way, he will always be with us. He will always provide and he will never, ever, ever leave us. And not only that, when we go God's way, there will be fruit beyond our wildest dreams. Very encouraging news from the book of Haggai. And not only that, I think there's some other things that are worth us remembering as we jump into where the future and what the future might look like. This, chaos may not be an enemy. We know that's true in our own lives. Sometimes when things are going all upside down and all crazy, it may be there is a real gift from God in the chaos to unsettle us out of our comfort. Chaos may not be an enemy. And also, therefore, disruption to our lives may be a gift. When we feel uncomfortable, when we're not sure what the future looks like, that may be a gift from God because we are forced once again to get on our knees and say, God, it's all in your hands. And the final thing by way of introduction is this. Hope is always God's people's story. The story ends in resurrection. There is always blessing. There is always fruit. God is in the business of restoration and life wherever the river flows. So with that said, it's worth us taking stock of where we are as family, where we are as church. We've already just hinted at a few things this evening. The reality is there are some beautiful fruit. There is some beautiful fruit around Riverside. When you look at the numbers of people, the proportions of people involved in serving in some way is incredible compared to many churches. Not that it's competition, but just when you look at the kind of stats, it's amazing. When you look at the numbers of people within Riverside who are in some sort of group environment and therefore some sort of belonging and some sort of relationships and some sort of care, it is very high compared to many churches for which it's fantastic. There are stories that we hear all the time of people in their world, in their workplace, in their family, in their city making a huge difference. 
It's been stunning seeing how Bourneville has grown since it started in 2015 to the point we're now beginning to ask questions about what's next because we're not quite sure we can fit too many more people in that room. Every week here at Mosley, there are new people every week coming exploring faith, asking big questions. We had a story, we had a letter the other day, an anonymous letter about somebody who came and whilst they were sat in one of these chairs before the service began was healed. There are good things happening. It's brilliant to hear the stories from Word of Hands and having now David and Denise on board as well and all the life that is through the Word of Hands community and seeing how that is blossoming and flourishing. There's fruit. Congratulations, by the way, to Jay here out of paternity leave. Uh, shouldn't be here really, but well done, Jay. Congratulations to Elizabeth. Gave birth to their third one this week. But in amongst the fruit there is some real challenge as well. The reality is a lot of us are weary. Some things are challenging, there's hard things. And there is a growing sense that we can't stay here. I don't necessarily mean geographically, but we can't stay as we are. For some that have been around Riverside for quite a while, whether it be the stage of life or just normality, there's a sense of slight unsettlement about what the future holds with so much energy left in life and yet wanting to give this kind of next chapter of life so much. There's some big challenges with building some teams, some real gaps. And there's also some financial challenges too. When we went multi-site in 2015, uh, we took a big leap of faith. We took the risk to pay for another site and employ more staff to resource that vision. Every year has been a faith-filled challenge. But we're so thankful that every year God has provided the resources we need. It has been miraculous. Haggai's reminder that the silver and gold are mine, says the Lord, is a huge encouragement that he is in control of this church. He is in control of all church in this city. Every year the trustees have signed off a budget in which we didn't know where a good chunk of that budget was going to come from at the beginning of the year. Because, of course, with regular income, you can plan how much money you think is going to come in from people's sacrificial, generous giving. And you kind of know how much, therefore, you can expend and what that looks like and the gap between the two. And every year in recent years, there's been a gap between how much, uh, how much, what expenditure is and what we've known the money to be coming, where's it coming from. Take last year as a dramatic example. Last year, we faced a gap at the beginning of the year of over £80,000 where we didn't know where that money was coming from. And yet through a series of random, seemingly uh, out of the blue gifts, God in his amazing goodness and grace miraculously met that budget. Praise God. The silver and gold are mine, says the Lord. But the reality is, we're now in that situation again, in which regular income is lower, leaving in a, in a situation in which we're facing a budget, in which where we don't know where £108,000 is going to come from. We've got every confidence 
that God will continue to provide for the needs of his church as he has done so faithfully in the past. And the reality is many, many other churches we know of are in similar circumstances. We have a very generous God and we also don't need to worry because our reserves are very healthy. There's no need to panic. But in recent months, well, 18 months ago, the trustees kind of asked us to really ask some big questions about where we're going, about what the future looks like, uh, and so that we can plan wisely. Because whilst we do trust God, we also need to be thinking wisely about what that might look like. And so we've begun working on reducing some costs. Uh, we are thankful that actually regular giving has increased a little bit recently, which is fantastic. Uh, but tonight we'd love to share a little bit. And in a moment, I'm going to invite Sue, who is chair of trustees, Sue Iqbal, to come and share just a little snapshot of the window that the trustees have asked us to go on to share where we're at. So Sue, can I invite you to come up, Sue? Let's give her a round of applause. Okay, gosh, isn't it lovely to see familiar faces and un unfamiliar faces? Wonderful. Actually, I can see everybody. It's great. Um, okay, well, God has a, a way of getting our attention. And one way he gets our attention as trustees is when there is a financial challenge. And 18 months ago, when we were aware of the financial challenge, which is not, as Tim has explained, an un you know unfamiliar experience, but we did feel that God actually was saying something different this time. And uh, we, were, we were also aware that there'd been a great big push to launch Bourneville site. And then maybe a sense of inertia of where do we go now? What's next? And I don't think we knew. And I don't think leadership knew either exactly where the church was going next. So with a great deal of courage, um, these three wonderful people asked us as trustees to ask them some really difficult questions and to embark on a review of the structures and the leadership team and everything that we could possibly think of probing into to find out all the information that we all needed collectively to find the journey ahead. And... Um, that was really, it was really rigorous and it has not been an easy journey, I don't think. I think it's been very costly, particularly for these three. I, we talked to Nick and Lois, I don't know, do you want to wave Nick and Lois? Founding pastors, we talked to other churches, we talked to the staff team and we did individual reviews with each one of these three leaders. I think that the journey that we embarked on then is a mark of their courage and of their character. And I want to celebrate that tonight. And they don't know I'm going to say that, but I am. Um, I've been, we have been really impressed with these three and the way that they work in team together and they complement each other is absolutely exemplary. And the love that they have and the respect for each other is fantastic. So can we give them our gratitude? So, what we came up with after all that finding out 
was some recommendations, really, and a request that they came up with a compelling vision with a structure that would serve multi-site and enable growth and take us into wherever God has for our future. As you have heard from Tim, we are still faint, uh, facing a challenging financial situation. And um, as, a tr as trustees, we have found that um, the legal requirement that we have to be stewards of the finances and make sure that good decisions are made, balanced with the faith walk that God actually calls us to do, to be trustees of a church, is not for the faint-hearted. But God has been incredible. And we are really excited about where things are going and with what is going to be shared this evening. And we just want to really say that we're excited for the journey. We have no idea what God is going to do next and where he'll show up particularly. We know where there are some real signs of, of growth and some of the things that Tim, Tim is now going to share. I hope by the end of the evening, you are going to be really excited too. So thank you. So, we've taken stock of where we are, so now then the important question as we are a family around the table is to therefore look forward into what could be. Uh, and over the last uh, 18 months, year, whatever, as we've been uh, praying together and talking together, some words have kind of come together that, that form, in, if you like, some sort of statement of where we want to go. Don't get caught on the particular words of this, but this gives a heart of the trajectory that we sense Riverside has been called to go on as we step forwards. And it's this, to be a church that reflects and transforms Birmingham because people belong to thriving communities in which they get to know Jesus. As you'll imagine, there's several components and dimensions to that. And the first is this, to be a church that reflects Birmingham. Very simply, as a church, there's something should be look, something about Riverside should look different than if we were in Manchester, or if we were in Liverpool, or if we were in Leeds. That we want to reflect the city we're in. If we are reaching the city and the communities in, we want to better reflect those communities, which means reflecting the diversity of our city more. It means reflecting the class dimensions in our city more. It means reflecting the age dimensions, when the age, youngest cities in Europe, and we're thankful that Riverside is a young church, but we want to make sure that continues to grow younger. You may remember a couple of years ago, on the, over the summer, we did a survey on one Sunday. We were part of kind of survey, which asked all sorts of questions. You may remember filling out that little tick box thing. That survey revealed that 63% of the adults on that Sunday were degree educated. That means they are educated to a degree level. They went to the university or whatever it is. 63% on that Sunday. It won't surprise you that when you look at the university, the highest educated boroughs are the boroughs of Harborne and Edgebaston, both of which are around 40% educated to degree level. In other words, we are significantly better educated than Birmingham, if you like. 
And we wonder whether that's something that needs to change, that we better reflect the community we're in. We should look different than if we were in Birmingham, if we were in Leeds or Liverpool or Manchester. We long to reflect that. And there's some work to do, some questions we've got to ask about what it looks like, about who's on the platform and all of those kind of things and the way we do things. But alongside that, we don't want to just reflect because, of course, there's some brilliant things that are going on in Birmingham, some fantastic things we want to reflect, but not all is good in Birmingham. And there's therefore things, as we've always do, that, done, that we want to transform. That wherever the river goes, there will be life. Things will live. And it's brilliant to remember how well Riverside is doing at these things. I still remember my father-in-law. My father-in-law's a farmer. So he doesn't know that when you go to a city, you shouldn't talk to people on buses. And he was speaking to, this, speaking to this random person on a bus, saying what I did for a job, and said, do you know Riverside Church? And this person, who we have no idea was, she said, I think I've heard of them. They do some really good things in the community, don't they? And so there are good things happening, but we long to transform more and more of our workplaces, our streets, our families, our cities, our institutions, the arenas that we find ourselves in. We heard just last week of somebody within Riverside going into prison once a month to lead worship. And there are things like that that are happening all across this city of people doing beautiful things in the beautiful name of Jesus. And we longed wherever the river flows to see more and more life. So reflecting the good, transforming the things that need to be transformed. Why? How? Well, because people belong. We live in a society and we live in a city in which there's so much fragmentation. And in fact, if you look around us now, there aren't many gatherings in society where people of all ages, all stages, all backgrounds are treated as equal and as valuable. We have something to offer and a place where we consistently hear of people coming in to our gatherings and coming into community groups and coming in to environment events that are being run by missional teams and saying, wow, there's something here that I want to be a part of. We long to continue to help people belong, really belong to thriving communities. Whether it be a, a, a smallest triplet, or a life group, or a community group, or a Sunday gathering, or any other team, from the smallest group to the largest group, communities that are thriving in every sense of that word, where people are finding Jesus, and people are growing, and every area of life is flourishing as a result, in which church is known as being good news where people want to be around church people because it helps us flourish and thrive, thriving communities. And that's one of the reasons that we are beginning to do something called our growth track. You may have heard this morning and over the last couple of weeks, we're running a, a course starting next Sunday night called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. And Emotionally Healthy Spirituality is the first of a number of courses that we're going to be running so that basically, if somebody's been around Riverside for a few years, there are certain key courses that we would hope they would have done that will help us all on our discipleship and getting to know Jesus better, helping us thrive in every area of life. So can I encourage you, if you've not thought about this course starting next Sunday night, it is a brilliant, brilliant opportunity to go deeper on what it means to have a mature faith, grappling with our mature, uh, what that looks like in our lives. But all of this centers on this final phrase. 
in which they get to know Jesus. Jesus is the center of it all. Jesus is all we've got. There are many, many good people doing many, many good things in this city. All we have to offer that's different is Jesus. And so therefore, when we hear the words of Haggai reminding us about the main thing, getting our priorities right, it is this that has to stay right at the top of our priorities, helping all of us and helping the people beyond our walls to get to know Jesus. In the last few weeks, I've been reflecting on a passage from Luke chapter 10 that I'm going to read to you. It's where Jesus sends out his disciples, the 72, and they go out and do amazing things. And then we read these words, you'll remember it. The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. And Jesus replies, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. And we think, yes, fantastic. I want to be a part of that. Come on, bring it on, transforming the city. And yet Jesus' next words are a real sucker punch and a real reminder of what needs to be the main thing. And it is this. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Jesus is all we've got. Our salvation is the center of everything. And so therefore, the way to bring transformation, the way to see thriving communities, the way to better reflect, and the way to see people really belong is as they get to know Jesus. And keeping focused on that salvation is key. I love Pete Gregg's quote. God loves us too much to leave us staring in the mirror. He'll do anything, and I mean anything, to attract us away from life's distractions, even Christian distractions, so that we will at last focus ourselves solely on the source of all joy. And so if that's the journey we're going on, if that's the journey we're on and it continues all that we've been doing, how, very practically, what is that going to look like? And this is where we move on to some structures and some details that will be new for many of us. One of the joys of launching Bourneville back in 2015 is that we've, we've made mistakes along the way. And there's been things that we've got wrong and things that we've learned along the way. And one of the things that has become obvious and one of the questions that the trustees asked us is about the way we're organized. And we realized that whilst we launched Bourneville and Word of Hands were doing their thing over here and Bourneville were kind of tickling along, it was great. We'd never really organized ourselves to be a church that was a multi-site church. We just started new things. And we began to question, maybe, just maybe, some of that reorganization would be the thing that needs to happen to unlock real growth. Maybe the way that we were organized was a barrier to growth rather than releasing it. And so with that in mind, we began to look hard at what we were learning from Bourneville. And what we learned was, is there's an important role for the team of site pastors. Now, for those uh, who aren't at Bourneville, this is the Bourneville, what the Bourneville team looks like. There are some site leaders, John and Sarah Auger. 
And Sarah is on staff. So she's paid. And we began to realize that we need to increase those days. So we're increasing Sarah's days to now being two days a week. Not a big jump from one to two, but progress. But that site leader responsibility is really important in seeing the growth of Bourneville. And so what we're going to be doing is slightly enhancing and releasing that site leader role a little bit more. And this is the role. It provides pastoral leadership for that site, a sense of leadership presence, a sense of uh, direction and all of those sort of things. Responsibility for engaging in a local mission for that congregation and that community. Building on our Sunday teams, and this is a shift, as we'll explain in a little bit, uh, a little bit more, uh, in a little in a moment when we talk about some of the operations roles. But we realise that the best people to be involved in releasing our Sunday teams, which means set up and de-rig and all the welcome and all that kind of stuff, are not in Riverside House, but actually the people in the sites. And so the site leaders are going to be taking on that role as well. And also the site leader role is to lead the team of site pastors. And this is what it looks like at Bourneville. So you've got John and Sarah as site leaders and then you've got a team of site pastors. In Bourneville's case, it's uh, James and Sarah Rampton, Harry and Sandy Hewitt and Malcolm and Sue Weaver. Now, they just so happen to be couples. It doesn't mean they have to be couples. They just happen to be couples, and it doesn't have to be two. They could be individuals or whatever it might be. But what that team has responsibility for is the mission and community in Bourneville, really engaging, really praying for that community, pastoral care for that community so that on a Sunday the same people are there all the time connecting in and all those sort of things and also connecting people into the life of church and connecting into groups which are the lifeblood of everything where people really belong. And our experience of that team at Bourneville was something that we began to realize, boy, that's a brilliant model that we'd sort of stumbled upon. And in a sense, word of hands had already been doing this getting on and doing their thing, and it's great to have now David and Denise on board as well. And so therefore, when we look to our three sites, Bourneville, Mosley, Kingsheath, and Word of Hands, we began to realize that we need to replicate that model across all of those sites so that Riverside House... The role of Riverside House and the teams within it is to release the sites and resource the site teams so that the people in any given community, any given congregation are equipped and resourced and released by Riverside House rather than waiting for Riverside House to kind of tell them what to do or, or, or to give permission for it or to do it. And this comes from a theological, a Christian perspective because here, in the book of Ephesians, Paul talks about gifts that God gives to the church. And he says this, Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to do what? To equip his people for works of service. In other words, God gives roles to release people. 
And there is so much potential in this room. There is so much potential within all of our sites that we began to realize maybe just the way we were organized was being a little bit of a bottleneck rather than releasing the opportunities which has really happened at Bourneville. And so therefore, as we get to some specifics, I want to just talk for a moment about Mosley in King's Heath, Queensbridge here. What we're going to be doing is we are currently recruiting for a site leader for our Mosley King's Heath site. And we're excited about that. The deadline is this coming Friday. And we're looking basically to appoint a site leader or some site leaders who will, as it were, replicate what's happening at Bourneville on two days a week and therefore taking ownership of everything that goes on and all those things. So as a community here, there is a sense of real momentum going forwards. And what's been a joy here at Mosley is we've had the service pastors for our two different services. And we want to say thank you so much for all that you have done. And we know that sometimes it's been a little bit confusing exactly what your role is because you've looked at Bourneville and thought, hang on, our role's not that, is it? Not sure. And we've not necessarily been as clear. And we're looking forward to refreshing that team so that as the site leaders come in, there is a team of site pastors who will own this site and really invest in it and look forward to taking it forward under our leadership and with that in mind there are some questions that we have for us here at Mosley at the moment we have two, th two gatherings 9.30 and 11.15 do we go down to one 10.30 gathering there is potential real opportunities there but the reality is also when we look at the numbers we realise to do that the room would get really cramped and so we're not quite sure. Do we do some sort of different service, different time service? We know we've been talking about this for a while, but it's because we've been asking these questions and there's been these organisational questions that haven't quite fitted. But now we think going forwards, when we get these site leaders enrolled in this site team to really own this, then we can really move forwards. Because therefore, as we look forwards, there's opportunities for new sites. Maybe in Sturchley, all the work that's happened so faithfully over the years on the Pineapple Estate and currently going on through all that Martin does and the team of the Pineapple Youth Project and all the people at Church of the Ascension involved in that. What a brilliant opportunity, massive potential there. But there's questions about that. But there's real opportunity. Maybe we could do that site there, again with a site leadership team that early owns that. Or what about a cross-cultural site? It's wonderful to have so many people here at Riverside for whom Riverside is their church and their ministry is cross-cultural in our city. And it struck a number of us for a few years that actually if any city in this country is at the vanguard of what cross-cultural mission looks like, it ought to be Birmingham with such a diverse, integrated society. And so as a church, we've got to be asking the question, how are we as a church doing cross-cultural ministry, not just the professionals who kind of come to Riverside. So could we do a cross-cultural site? And if so, what would that look like? But of course, we'd want to establish a site leadership team there. And the reality behind this, as I hope you'll begin to see, is if we establish this with these site leadership teams, it becomes instantly multipliable. The possibility of exponential growth is huge. Because everybody who has leadership potential is being given opportunities to lead and reach their redemptive potential rather than just us as leaders 
being the source of it all. It's really exciting. And so with that in mind, there's some changes that will be happening at Riverside House as we look at the central teams there. So therefore, we've got these site teams and we've worked out what that looks like, great. Then we've got to ask questions about the central teams. Riverside House, if you like. And we want to start with the, the operations team. If you don't know what the operations team, they, they, they don't operations like doctors. They do operations, the operations of Riverside, the organization, everything that goes on, the logistics, all the things that need to happen to make Riverside run smooth, as smoothly as it does. But again, we realized that we hadn't necessarily organized ourselves in such a way to really release a multi-site church. Everything was still centered a little bit around Riverside House. And so there's going to be some changes within our operations team so that the operations team is better equipped to release the sites to engage in mission and ministry. So with that in mind, we've taken the hard decision uh, after much prayer and much advice that two roles have been made redundant and are currently being working out their redundancy, which is uh, our PA, um, not RPA, our PA, me, uh, Andy and Judy, RPA, Sharon, you will know, and also the Riverside House office manager. And we just want to say on record in public, the way those two people have navigated this process has been breathtaking. They have done, engaged in this process in such a godly, Christ-like way that has just been really moving to the point that at least one of them, uh, probably both of them, have sensed that actually they knew this was coming because God had already said that their time was to move on. Do, of course, pray for them. But alongside that, we recognize there's a new role that needs to be created, which is a communications and administration officer to engage with all the administration around Riverside House, but also particularly communications of what it means to be a multi-site church so that we all know what's happening where and communications is kept well. And so you'll have seen in Outlook, if you haven't, do get an Outlook on your way out. And there is an advert in there for a communications and operation, uh, communications and administration officer. It might even be you. So please do have a read prayerfully and think, is that you? It's a four-day-a-week role. And if you want to know more, come and chat to one of us or pass it on to somebody who you think might be interested in that. Alongside that, Julian and Keith's role will be changing. So you know Julian's role as operation director for many, many years, done it so faithfully, so well. But also his, his role in Riverside Money Advice and the, how that's really flourishing and blossoming. And what's going to be happening is Julian's going to be taking a little bit step aside from some of the operations stuff. So his role will then be going to just two and a half days a week in the operations and then the rest in Riverside Money Advice. Uh, and then Keith's role will be subtly changing as well. Because at the moment, Keith, I want to honor you here publicly. Keith is an absolute legend. You don't need me to tell you that. So much... embarrass you Keith <laughs> but I have uh, 
so much rests on Keith's shoulders, but actually it probably shouldn't rest on Keith's shoulders in the way it does. And so one of the joys that's begun to happen at Bourneville with the site leaders, Sarah and John taking on a bit more responsibility and Sarah taking a bit more responsibility for those Sunday teams, the same will be happening at Mosley too and all future sites so that actually Keith's role subtly changes so that it's not all just on him, but that he enables those site leaders to be engaged in resourcing their sites. It promises, hopefully, to be a really helpful ride, both for Keith and actually the ongoing mission and ministry. But into this, therefore, there is a need as well. And we've recognised that actually one of the key roles at Riverside House is the reception team. And we looked around Riverside and we thought to ourselves, actually, we reckon prayerfully that there would be 10 people who are at a certain stage of life or they have opportunities in their diary at the moment to be able to commit one block, either a morning or an afternoon, a week to just basically being on reception, to doing all the stuff that's involved in reception, not particularly tricky stuff. But so that a team is built of volunteers on reception so that they're able to better release and equip those people that come into Riverside House in and out, in and out. And so can I ask you, are you somebody that you know you have the capacity and the potential in your life right now to commit even just for a few months to one block per week, to serving on reception? Full training will be given. It'd be, it's not rocket science. But it would be brilliant if together we could partner to releasing the Riverside House reception so that all the people who come in day in, day out meet with smiley, lovely, God-honoring people to give them a good welcome. So that's our central teams. And into that, there's the model that the central teams, worship, youth, children's, operations, and all of those, release the sites. In the same way, take, for example, the worship ministry. Give that as an example. Ben is our worship director. He does such a brilliant job. But his role is not to lead worship at all the Riverside events. His role is to build a team of worship leaders and to build a team of bands who lead worship across Riverside Church. Ben is one of those worship leaders, but his role is not to do it all. And in the same way, all central teams to resource the sites, build up teams of us, all of us involved to engage in mission and ministry, equip the saints for works of service. We're excited about this. And it enables potentially exponential growth. With that, therefore, there's a change to us as leaders. After the trustees asked us to do some good questions and some deep questions, we began to take a look at where we felt and where other people felt, including staff that were interviewed and so on, about where we three fit and what particular strengths that we might be able to bring to the table and what particular roles that we might uh, sort of fill because we realised that there was a sense of lack of clarity about us three and where we fitted and what our roles were. And so that we came up with these sort of three, if you like, groupings of our sort of particular spheres. Vision and teaching, mission and strategy, discipleship and pastoral strategy. And we realise that we want to better equip the church to go forward into growth and so therefore want to better play to our strengths. Added into this, 
there's an extra dimension, which is the reality that it's probably helpful to have a team leader of that team so that we can be all be playing to our strengths and released in what that is. And so this is the shape of us three going forwards. Don't know if you can read that. So Andy's title now is Church Leader with Responsibility for Mission and Strategy. Judy's title now is Church Leader with Responsibility for Discipleship and Pastoral Strategy. My uh, job title is now Church Leader with Responsibility for Vision and Teaching and Team Leader. I'm not the church leader. I lead the team that leads Riverside. And we are all the church leadership team with discrete, specific responsibilities. Because we're convinced we work together so well, we hope. But actually, God has given us unique giftings and unique talents and unique strengths to be able to release future growth within Riverside. And central to all of this, uh, by the way, that doesn't therefore mean over time you'll begin to get a feel for what our particular responsibilities are. Because the amount of emails we get to all three of us, we're aware that nobody knows. Uh, so hopefully going forward, there might be a bit of clarity so that we don't have to email all three of us. But who knows? So central Riverside House teams, us as church leaders, releasing the sites, decentralizing. And at the center of all this, of course, is how do we belong? We belong in groups, don't we? The heartbeat of where our pastoral care, the heartbeat of where we do community, the heartbeat of where we really belong is our group life, whether it be life groups or community groups. And we want to say thank you to all those who lead them, all those who are part of them so faithfully. And if you're not, that is the heartbeat of Riverside and the heartbeat of the mission and ministry we're involved with. And so with that said, as we head towards a close, I realize I've been long. We ask this question, what could be? Some of the things that we've talked about, you might not see an obvious difference or you might see very clear differences very quickly. But if you look at a map of Birmingham, this is what it looks like. And at the moment, we've got these sort of gatherings. We've got Word of Hands at the top there. We've got Mosley, Kings Heath in the middle, and then we've got Bourneville there. But we're convinced that under God, the way this is shaped, the future could be exponential. That as we are together as one church with different types of sites, different types of communities, but with a clear leadership team within those released and resourced by Riverside House to engage in local mission and ministry. So the leaders there have real ownership and are really pouring out their prayer and all their heart for their particular community, but knowing that they're part of a bigger story, the story of God's story in Riverside Church. The potential is massive as we create thriving communities in which people belong that better reflect and transform Birmingham. Why? Because people get to know Jesus. So, the journey ahead. There's a few things we want to say before we then come to our next stage. All of this will need a lot of prayer. We are excited about the future but we know there are some big challenges. And if it's all about Jesus, the first thing we need to do is all be on our faces and praying our hearts out. One of the joys of doing this series together, all together this year, 
is that there's a journey of all of God's people on this same journey of getting to know Jesus so that we know when we're spending silence and time in silence and solitude, chances are there are other people right now in the city somewhere from Riverside doing the same thing. And so as we pray, we're praying together. You may not notice dramatic changes, but our hope is over time we'll begin to see a slightly different trajectory. For some, there'll be challenges to the way we work. For others, it might, you might not see any difference. But you may have questions. And as we come to a close, there's an opportunity to ask, answer some questions. We're not coming to a close just yet, so don't worry. But on the way out, you'll see these white cards. And if you've got a question that you think, I just don't understand, I'm not sure about this, what does this look like? Can I encourage you to jot it down on here? And we'll basically accumulate them. And if there are certain questions that seem to really resonate, we will then do our best to answer them in due course. But our hope is that all of us, through this, God, by his spirit, enables us all to reach our redemptive potential, equipping the saints for works of service. And as we come to a close, as I come to a close before we move on, could you be one of those 10 people to help out in Riverside House reception? Another thing is if you're at Moseley in Bourneville, if you're at Moseley in Kings Heath, and you know you've got capacity. One of the teams that is really stretched at the moment is the setup and derig teams. Can I encourage you, would you be willing to commit even to just one time per month to join those? And then finally, financially. Chances are most of us in this room are the people that are all in with Riverside. And if you know you're all in and you know there's no more capacity, praise God. Thank you so much for all your sacrificial, generous giving. But it might be that there are just one or two here who you know because of circumstances or you know just because of letting things slip or whatever, that there is actually, you sense God calling you, there is space for you to be able to give just that little bit more. Can we encourage you to do so? Because the opportunities are huge, but there are real challenges in it. So I'm going to pray for us. And then what we're going to do is Andy's going to hand over to Andy and then we're going to have an opportunity to all pray together in a moment. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. Thank you that Riverside is your church. And Lord, we simply pray. We want to be your church walking in your direction. Jesus, we want to know you more and know the plans you have for us more. Lead us, we ask, in the name of Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen. Uh, one of the things that we want to do, um, particularly with the sites, uh, is just a little bit of highlight, um, particularly from Bourneville and word of hand. So can I invite John and Sarah just to come up uh, wherever you are um, as quickly as possible? That would be fantastic. Run, 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 run. And uh, can we just uh, say thanks to these guys, anyway, because they do put a lot, lot in to, to life. And John. So John, first of all, just tell us from your perspective, what have been some of the highlights from Bourneville? Um, yeah, it's, it's great, isn't it, to um, be together as family, uh, everybody together. And one of the highlights for me, um, really since the Bourneville site launched, we've been on such an amazing journey as, as, a, as a kind of smaller expression of family within the church. And one of the highlights was, was last Christmas, uh, the Christmas Eve joint gathering that we had over at Bourneville. And it really, I had that sense beforehand of almost like we at Bourneville were, were a, a little kind of nuclear family 
and we were hosting the wider family coming over. And it was great to kind of be able to join together as wider family uh, in that place and to really celebrate uh, everything to do with Christmas. And it just really felt that sense as we've been, uh, as we've been growing Bourneville, as we've been seeing God doing amazing things, just that real sense of community and family that we've really have been trying to cultivate there. And, and I really feel like God's been really faithful in that. So that's been a real highlight, that particular uh, Fantastic. Do you want to add any highlights or tell us how you feel the congregation's going, Sarah? Um, I think one of the things we've noticed probably even in the last couple of months is just the kind of growth of the church and people really getting on board with bringing people along. We've had um, a number of new families who have joined us through other families inviting them. We've had quite a few people who have just come and I think really sense a feel of God's welcome and God's family um, and people from all stages of their faith journey. We've got families who are here with us who aren't Christians yet. Um, we've got families who are kind of very early in the stages of their journey or people who just needed refreshing in their own faith. Um, um, and I think for us looking at this model, and this is something that we're on a journey at, um, at Bourneville, both in the kind of site pastor team and also as a whole congregation, um, this is really exciting because we've seen even in the last kind of month where, you know, these guys have kind of started to begin to release us a little bit more in what we're doing and how we're building teams. In the last two weeks, we've had 12 new people who have committed to the kind of purely like, that's a struggle, those sorts of teams. But to see that sense of family growing out of the relationships that people are building and just people putting together and mucking in has been amazing. Fantastic. We're going to be praying for you guys in a minute, so remember that, and uh, just uh, let's just say thanks to them again as they go on. I'm going to invite Denise and uh, Jay uh, to come up as well, and uh, David as well. Thank you. Let me give David the microphone. And uh, so, yeah, Denise. Okay, first of all, can you give us some of your highlights uh, from Word of Hands uh, this past year? Good evening to everyone. Highlights, well, for me, there have been more people that have begun to join in a discipleship course, uh, um, a group of deaf people and some hard, and a hard of hearing person. And these students have really been learning and developing. Um, the important thing is, as John Stott said, that salvation is not just about forgiveness, it's about how to develop your life and develop your character. That's, that's really the, the full message that we're trying to uh, bring into these, to these students so they can develop and learn new skills and learn how to change their life as well at the same time. Um, so they've been receiving this training. Um, soon they will be learning like how... And, uh, this group of deaf people learning how to preach and... They'll also be learning how to go on a short-term mission uh, to South America. That's, that's coming up soon, next year. Um, they'll be learning how to share their gifts and talents and, and really uh, how to work together as, as a team. And obviously the final aim really is how to, really how to develop, um, get more and more deaf people involved uh, becoming Christians and, and, and growing God's kingdom. Um, really, that's our aim: is to outreach deaf people, and uh, and that's that, that's uh, really the aim. To do the same thing as we did, like uh, 12 months ago, when we went to Romania, sharing the gospel, where uh, a large group, 19 people, stepped forward and accepted Jesus 
the, the offer to accept salvation in Jesus. So really that's, uh, that's exciting. And that's, that's what we want to see more and more of happening in, in word of hands, both in, both in, UK, in Birmingham in the UK and in, and in places abroad. Fantastic. It's been great to have you really consolidate your part on the team uh, this year. Uh, moving on to Jay. Uh, Jay, do you want to just tell us from your perspective how you feel the congregation has developed uh, this year? Hello, everybody. So Words of Hand this year has been on their journey as well, and their theme has been about harvest. I'd encourage, uh, encourage sign language users to go into their own communities and to share um, both the message of Christ, but also to bring them into words of hand. And what's been lovely is the new faces that we've seen. And actually, we've seen people, you know, coming to Christ. And, and did you see in the video the, the lady who was signing? Now, I think that was Emma, and um, she became a Christian two years ago, and now you know, she's out there bringing other people in, other Muslims in and, and other people without faith as well. And it's been lovely to see those new, fa uh, those new faces. And, you know, uh, in September, uh, we've uh, joined, uh, you know, these three sites um, and we've been joining in the same series. And we felt that really important for World of Hands to be part of this same series so that we have this sense of one church so that throughout the process, throughout the teaching, we all are becoming members of the same church. Uh, and actually, for members of Word of Hands, they also realise they are part of Riverside as well. So that we're all one. We've been so blessed uh, by, by having um, the work both um, here in the UK and also in Bolivia. Fantastic. Um, to have Denise involved and, and, and those others on leadership have been wonderful.